The age we're living in right now was hard for us to imagine just a short while ago. We knew the statements of Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 32 where Paul led by the Holy Spirit describes a society sunk in complete moral collapse, given over by God to their worst impulses and those impulses running freely through the age. We're in that time now. And now that we're here, we should understand how we got here. It may help us know how to pray. It may help us find a way back from the darkest of midnights to the warm lights of home. Welcome everyone, this is the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the director of CPE, and I'm your Bible teacher. If you wish to learn more about our work to raise up evangelists and church planters around the world, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org. And to learn more about our church in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 gives us the three steps we take into moral darkness. The first is this, we step away from God. We suppress Him and the light of His truth upon ourselves and upon our society. And once we succeed at doing this, slowly we lose the influence of His presence. That is step number two, into the darkness. Paul is telling us that at the beginning, what is true of the individual is also true of the human race. The man began with the knowledge of God. Remember, Adam and Eve knew God. They knew God as the source of their blessing. They knew God as the one who was their creator and the provider and their blesser, and they walked with God in the garden. But as they turned their face to pursue their own self-will and their own designs and their own sin, they had to turn away from God. They had to even hide from Him and run from Him and What Adam and Eve did in the garden is what all mankind has done. There's actually a theory that was developed a number of years ago. It was kind of like when Darwinism was kind of having its influence on all the different theories. And so there was a a Darwinian theory of the development of religion as well. And the idea was that as human societies grew and developed from some primitive dark past, so did their idea of God. And so when they were these primitive people that were going out as hunters and gatherers who worked among the stones and in the trees picking their mushrooms and things like that, well, they, they developed an idea of God that was kind of like, there was this animistic religious experience where their gods were, there were spirits in the rocks and there were spirits in the trees. And, and then as they began to gather and cloist together more in families, well, they formed a kind of ancestor worship. And that was the next progression in the religion of man. And, and then after that began to form more into tribal units and to broader states where they developed larger and larger cities or city-states, they became polytheist. There was the god of their region or their area or their city-state. And, and then when nations began to grow and those nations began to present themselves as having potential to have hold power over all the land, well, then they became monotheists. That's when they began to believe that there was just this one God. And so that was the theory that was put out about the development of religion. And Paul's actually telling us this exact opposite. There wasn't this groping after man for some understanding and they were somehow progressing in an enlightened state where they came to know God better and better over time or to come to some more pure and clear understanding of what God was like. He's saying, no, they began. Human society began with a clear understanding of who God was. Because of their sin, they didn't progress into enlightenment. They ran from the light of who God was. It's what society has done. It's what the individual has done. And oh, by the way, once the theory was posited, it was published in all kinds of books. But eventually, eventually, they began to go back into these primitive tribes and go back into all these places to 
begin to study what was underneath all the religions and what they found is in every place the, the oldest and most ancient expressions of belief in them was a belief in a creator God who made everything. It was the oldest idea they had fixed in all of these different places, even in the most primitive place. They had to call it the sky God phenomenon, right? It was there. It was just demonstrating what Paul is telling us here, that God has made himself known, that God has impressed himself upon mankind that man didn't move from ignorance and being unimpressed by the reality of God, but he knew God and he was conscious of God and he refused to acknowledge God as God, and so he turned away from him. And this is all due to the inherent rebelliousness of man, his desire to serve himself and live in freedom from the revelation, the powerful revelation of God upon his life and the constraint that it might put upon him. So although they knew God, he says, they glorified him not as God, nor were thankful. And here's another expression of this suppressing of and this putting aside and this flight from who God is. He says they did not glorify him as God. They did not glorify him as God. It's another way to so the human being suppresses the idea and concept of God is that he won't glorify God as God. Here's an example for you. You got a man named John Smith. He lives for many years estranged from his mother and then one day his reconnects with his mother again and he arranges in politeness to have her come and visit his home and so she arrives at his home and he greets her at the door along with his children and she visits him in the home and he's very courteous to her he he shakes her hand at the door he asks if she'd like to come in and sit down she sits down he asks if she'd like to be seated in a certain place he waits for her to be seated before he seats himself he he asks if she'd want something to drink and she does and he gets something to refresh her he's very polite with her in all of his conversations he introduces her to all of his children as Mrs. Smith and they have a polite conversation with her as well He's very polite all the way through the whole encounter. As polite he would be with anyone else all the way to the point in which he sees her to the door and thanks for coming and visiting him. He's treated her as well as he would have treated any other person. But the problem is that John Smith didn't treat her as his mother. So far he didn't glorify his mother as mother. That's what people do with God. Well, they acknowledge God. They know he's there. They don't ignore him entirely, but he's there and they know he's in the world and they sometimes find expressions they make to him and they're polite and they even go to church and provide little acts of reverence at times. But in all of it, in all their decorum, they're not glorifying God as God. People around the world recognize that there's a God who has made them, but they don't live for him and they don't commune with him and they're not thankful to him for all their blessings. Instead, they construct for themselves all kinds of intermediate gods, and idols that receive their attention and their focus and they don't glorify God as God in their lives. And this is the condition of people in our age, and it's been the condition of people throughout the ages. These individuals can crowd our churches and engage themselves in the weekly rituals of the church. And all of that crammed between them and God are all kinds of other things that they live for and that they follow and that they obey and that capture their attention and their primary focus. And as a result, they're not glorifying God as God. Their lives are ultimately a flight from the light. They suppress and push away the influence of God upon their consciousness. And that's the first step. The first step is we move away from God. We move away from his presence. Here's the next two steps I want us to look at. Let's go back to verse 18 of Romans 1. And we're going to find a clue here. First it is, he describes at the very end of this verse, that these individuals, they are those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. 
But now he reveals two other steps that take place as a result of that suppression. He says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And you might circle those two words, ungodliness and unrighteousness. We might understand ungodliness in this way. It's a reference to the lack of a religious spirit or impulse in human beings. An ungodly person is a person who lives with a diminishing fear or awe of God in their lives. They have a diminishing sense of a holy otherness around them. And so they have no deep penetrating or guiding awe for the creator. An awe that would somehow influence their choices and their conduct and their character. That's ungodliness. Then you might take the first five commandments of the Ten Commandments and you might stack that under the idea of ungodliness. This lack of referencing yourself to the revelation of God and who God is. And then he says there's unrighteousness as well. And unrighteousness is, we might put their last five commandments of the Ten Commandments and put that underneath unrighteousness. It's the idea of a lack of moral standards and moral conduct among individuals. An unrighteous person is someone who lives to satisfy their own selfish impulses, does what is right in their own eyes, does what makes them feel good and satisfies themselves, and doesn't do it in consideration of others, and begins to look at other individuals as commodities to be consumed for their own satisfaction, as obstacles to be navigated, or things through which they provide their own pleasures and their own desires. So let me put these two notions together. The second step away into moral decay is very quick from this idea of the fact that you run from the light of God. The next one is you step away from a responsiveness to the presence of God or God's reality. For lack of a better word here, it's a step away from a religious spirit or religion. It's ungodliness. You see, the human being first runs from God, but what remains in that individual, whether he runs from God or not, is a, a prejudice in his mind that God is still there. You know, you can run from God and you can drive away from God as fast as you can, but you keep seeing him in the rearview mirror. He just keeps showing up in places. He keeps haunting your consciousness. You think about him even though you don't want to think about them. And so as they're moving from God, they're trying to distance themselves from that plague, you might say, of God consciousness. But it goes with them. And oftentimes, by the way, this consciousness of God is underscored for us in the relatives we have and the family members we have and having grandma and grandpa around who used to live a different life and had a different perspective on life or having your sainted mother around you. And when I was a little boy, my mother would ask me questions like, do you want to be doing that when the Lord Jesus returns? That was a good question, right? Do you want to be sharing this activity with the Lord Jesus right now? That was a good question too. But there was actually... A more practical question for me, which was, do I want to be doing this with my mother around? <laughs> do, I, do I want her to see these things? Do I want her to know these things? A person can run from God, but he can't entirely escape this kind of prejudice because there are people around him that remind him of those things. His sated mother might remind him of that. But his mother's going to die usually before he dies. And so with it, oftentimes, are the very presence and the very influences that weigh upon them and bring back to their mind this sense or this awareness or this consciousness of the divine, what slowly begins to dry up is with this, when you lose this consciousness of God, is you lose a sense of the sacred. You lose a sense of the otherness or the absoluteness that stands over your life. You lose a sense of reverence, not only for God, but for all others as well. A sense that there's something wonderful sense in which 
somehow the divine glows in what's around you. So those first 10 commandments are the commandments that you begin to lay aside. Worship God and worship him only. Don't make any idols of him. Don't take God's name in vain. Keep a day and set it aside to honor him. Honor your mom. Honor your father and your mothers. Those who remind you of these things and underscore the sense of the divine. Jesus spoke of this godliness and this life of godliness as the first command that was given to us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our minds. It's a command into godliness, a God consciousness. But in the moral decay in which we flee God and we run from the light, eventually God gives over our consciousness as well. So we increasingly lose our sense of God's presence. It becomes less and less distinct even in the rearview mirror as we're going away from him. And so is the next step into moral decay. The first step is man steps or he leaves the presence of God or he flees from God. The second step is man loses this religious orientation of life or he loses a sense of the divine over life. And the third step is man then loses his moral compass altogether. He crashes through one moral roadblock after another in his way into a pit of destruction and decay. And now he's just filled with all unrighteousness. He doesn't follow the second great command either. <laughs> Once you stop following the first great command to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength, the next thing that you do is you stop loving your neighbor as yourself. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership, evangelism, and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are at work to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we need your prayers and your support. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.